Our sin might be replaced with your righteousness. Holy Spirit, grant unto us today a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Godhead. Open up our hearts, flood them with light that we truly might see and understand. And in that revelation, it might put a pep to our step. That we wouldn't be burdened down by the things of this life. We wouldn't allow them to be so heavy. But we would see you, we'd come unto you knowing that your burden is light and your yoke is easy. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy towards us. Holy Spirit, teach us today. Reveal things to us today. Cause each one to have an encounter with you. Open up our spiritual ears to hear what you're saying to us. That we might hear and understand things concerning the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that pertain to us. Not simply something that took place 2,000 years ago, but something that right now in heaven, the blood is sprinkled upon the mercy seat. It's never lost its power. So we thank you, Lord, for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and your spirit this morning. And we do thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty, matchless, and majestic name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen. 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 Good morning, church. How are you this morning? How are you this morning? Somebody should say, awake. Amen. Awake. We're glad that you're here. Welcome. Welcome, everybody who's joining us by live stream. We want to welcome our Meeker campus. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, two people were born again uh, in the Meeker campus this last week. Amen. Lives are being changed. And uh, I'm telling you, we're in the sprinklings of an outpouring of the Spirit of God that I believe uh, the world has not yet seen. Amen. And uh, that sprinkling just begins, and then an outpouring will take place. You know, I was coming home from Grand Junction yesterday afternoon, and man, it just started pouring rain, driving on the highway. It's just coming down. There's just water everywhere. And I just thought, you know what? Uh, you just couldn't get out of it. You know, you'd pass a truck, and they'd hit a puddle, and it'd come all over you. And it was just when it's pouring down, you just can't get out of it. And there's an outpouring of the Spirit of God coming. Amen. And if you don't feel like you're in it, somebody's going to pass by you and just hit a, a puddle of the Holy Spirit and just, and uh, uh, I mean, it's just come, going to come to a place that you won't be able to just avoid it uh, because, and we don't want to, you know, sometimes we pray for the rain and it starts to rain and then we try to get out of the rain. But when it comes down to the rain of the Spirit of God, you don't want to get out of the rain. You want to get out and enjoy the rain and the refreshing and the things that are produced by the rain. Amen. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. And be seated. Hallelujah. Just continue to declare the victory. What comes out of your mouth is incredibly important. And um, praise God. We thank you. Uh, we thank God always that we have the victory. It may not look like it, but it's ever working on our behalf. So we thank God who always, somebody say always, causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. The enemy can't win. He may come 
to in, uh, do something, inflict harm, to kill, steal, or destroy. But what he means uh, for your harm, God can totally turn it around and make it for your good. And so we're in the midst of a turnaround time, amen, turning point times, uh, s- moments in time where significant change takes place. There will be uh, turning points in your health There'll be turning points in your health, moments in time. God's been leading up to. He's been planting the seeds of the word of God. If you've been listening, if you've been allowing uh, the spirit of God and the word of God to take root, to take hold in your life, they're taking hold. They're, they're, They're preparing to bring forth a manifestation of that fruit in a moment. We talk about suddenlies, but rarely does something happen instantly, but it happens suddenly. In other words, you know, you can be watching and a a flower be growing up and all of a sudden you see the bud and and the conditions are just right and all of a sudden one morning you look and suddenly that thing just opens up. But it wasn't suddenly, it was a seed planted that grew, but then suddenly all the things come together for that to happen. There's things coming together that in a moment time significant change will take place place, in your body, in your thinking, in your emotion, because God is ready to spring forth and bring forth some new things that he has really declared that he would do. And things that will be new to us, but they really aren't new to God. God lives in eternity. There are things that have been the same in the realm of God forever in his mind. Amen. And so we're stepping into or stepping across into a place that God has ordained to be. And, and really, we live in a great season in a great time. If you're not careful, you'll begin to watch the news. You'll begin to watch things around you. You'll allow things to irritate you. It is, it is so imperative. I'm just going to go off a tangent. We'll come back here. It's so imperative right now that, that we learn to praise God. No matter what the situation or the circumstance, that our response, we get so full of praise towards God in our thinking that no matter what happens, what, what, when the enemy squeezes us, what comes forth is not complaining, it's not murmuring, it's not anger or, or bitterness, but when he squeezes, what comes forth is praise. Well, how do you do that? Well, you get used to praising, even when we don't want to. You walk around your house and just get used to lifting up your hands. Lift up your hands and just say, God, I praise you and I thank you and I glorify you. And you'll just be walking around and just lift up your hands. You'll just be driving your car. Just lift. No, don't lift up your hands. But, but lift up your voice. Come on. Sometimes you just need to turn off whatever you're listening to when you're driving and just begin to praise him. Say, well, I'm listening to praise and worship music. Still, just turn it off and see what comes out of your inner man. Because God's doing something right now by the Holy Spirit of God in your inner man. And if we'll allow him to do something in our inner man, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will bring forth things. And the words are so important. What will come out of our mouth is so important. Because those words that we phrase, if they are the word of God, angels in heaven are watching over that word to bring it to pass. 
When we begin to praise him, he mounts up on that praise. He begins to ride forth on that praise to make things happen. God's watching over his word. He's looking for somebody to just declare his word and what's been accomplished in Jesus Christ. And what's already been accomplished, declared to a situation. The angels will begin to mount up and God's spirit will begin to move. And things will begin to surround that which you have spoken to. And when you speak the word of God to it, they will surround That situation by a demand of the word of God must change. For the word is eternal. It is forever settled in heaven. And what God has said about your circumstance, what God has said about your family, what God has said about your body, you need to step forth with a boldness and praise God for what has been accomplished by the blood will come to fruition. When you speak and declare the word on the basis of the blood, angels start to move. Spiritual forces begin to surround your situation to make the word of God come to pass so don't be shy and don't be timid for God has not given you a spirit of timidity but God has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind so don't let the enemy deceive you and torment your mind and bring you into the thought that your mind is not working right for God has given you the spirit of a sound mind a well disciplined mind to think the thoughts of God and to think in line with what God is saying in this day and this hour concerning your situation and so don't draw back and be timid because of what the enemy is doing but rise up in the power of God stretch forth your hand and your mind concerning the love and compassion of God and be bold to speak out that which he is saying and doing for it is a sound mind that will recognize what God is doing in this time and this hour and I need to take a break Come on, it's a time to just stand up and say, this is what God has said. There's many voices in the world. They all have some significance, but the word of God is forever settled. It's forever settled. He's not going back on what he said. He's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he promised it, he will perform it. Come on, it's true. And we encourage ourselves in our faith Just like Abraham did. He didn't allow his faith to get weak. Over a 25-year period of time, how many of you think if God promised you'd have a son, after 25 years, there would be a temptation to start getting weak in faith. And so he recognized that. He recognized there's sometimes I'm beginning to wonder. I'm beginning to question when this is going to happen. But when that started to hit his mind, it says he didn't allow that to take hold and draw him away and begin to verbalize when and what and why. He said, he, he, said it, he didn't allow himself to go and draw weak in all of that. You know, when you start to wonder why and where and when, and, and God said it, and so what's going on? And this must not, he said, all that will start to weaken you. But it said he strengthened himself in faith. By doing what? Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God in the midst of all of it. Giving glory to God. Learning to praise him in the midst of circumstance, in the midst of questioning. Said he gave glory to God. Knowing that what God had promised him, God was well able to perform it. He didn't know the time. He didn't know when. He didn't even know what God was waiting for. He just had to believe God. We get to look now in the record there in Romans that what God was waiting for. He knew Sarah was not able to have children, but Abraham was. 
What was he waiting for? That Abraham also would not be able to have children. That it would be totally supernatural. Why was he waiting for that supernatural uh, understanding in, in Abraham? That by faith he could believe in something that was so supernatural that he had nothing to do with it. Because God was ready and he was putting forth in Abraham the very supernatural conception of his own son, Jesus. To redeem the world from their sin. Amen. And Jesus didn't just come that one time. He's coming again. He's coming again. And everything is being set in place for the coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything is being set in place. And so the church, now it's the church's time. God's set things in place that we said the signs of it would be set in place. But there's one thing still remains, and it's the church. The church rising up in a boldness. The church preaching the gospel of the kingdom everywhere. The church being able to realize and recognize exactly what God is doing in our time and our season and the generation that we live in. And not just going with the course of this world, which is dictated by the prince of the power of the air, but beginning to go and go with the flow of the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is working in an eternal realm. That what God has said from the very beginning, it is just as God has said, whether we see it in the natural or not. In God God's mind, it is exactly what he has said it would be. And so jumping on board and beginning to have eyes to see what the Spirit of God is doing, ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, beginning to see and stretch forth and, 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 and release ourselves into areas that God is dispatching you into to reflect the glory of God. Amen. What a great day we live in. What a great time we live in. What a great time we live in. Amen. We've been praying about it. You've been praying about it. You just didn't know this was what you were praying about. Praying for opportunity. Praying for really God to make a wealthy place. God to make a wide place, as Alan was saying. Just praying, God, you know, just bless me in a way that I will just be significant. I'll be able to be used by you. And he said, listen, I'm blessing you. He said, well, I didn't think it'd look like this. I thought everybody, everything would be going in a direction. Well, you wouldn't stand out near as much if everything was the same everywhere around you. Well, God, I just thought it'd be different. Everybody around me would be nice in the move of God. Well, no. Jesus actually said, if you're going to come with me, there's going to be some people who don't, won't even like you at all. He said, but that's where you get to shine the brightest. That's where I get to shine the brightest. So he's making some adjustments. He's just making some fine-tuned adjustments. Amen? As we allow those fine-tuned adjustments to come, as we catch ourselves... In difficult days, we catch ourselves complaining. On the inside, you, the enemy will catch you, or the, the, the Spirit of God will catch you and say, now what are you complaining about? And your mind will go, well, I'll just tell you what I'm complaining about. But if you're sensitive on the inside, you'll know he's not really asking you it, 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 to explain your complaint. But he's, a, he's causing you to be aware. I should be praising instead of complaining. And in that, the situation can turn around. In that, the situation can turn around. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, open your Bibles to Hebrews, the ninth chapter. That was all extra free. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. We've been talking about the power that is in the blood of Jesus. The power that's in the blood of Jesus. 
And you know, as we come and bring our life to him, we talked about this a little bit last week, that the, the cross, the nature of the cross is, is that self-sacrifice that Jesus lived out all of his life to do the will of God. And so, you know, when we recognize that, his self-sacrifice, then when we receive it, it takes a sacrifice of ourself. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, you know, uh, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. So when we begin to understand the power of the blood of Jesus and what he's done, we understand the cross of Jesus Christ, which isn't that easy to understand. We tell it like a story. We think we understand it. But Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. So the preaching of the cross, the blood of his cross, the blood shed through the sacrifice of the cross, actually the understanding or revelation of that releases power into our life. Power. So from God's perspective, we should be living every day in supernatural power. If we have revelation of the blood of the cross, it's power to us. It's power to us. It should empower us. Every time we remember the cross, every time we recall the blood, every time we think about the resurrection, every time we begin to meditate on those things, we begin to realize, wow, all of that was done for a divine purpose, to cause us to live in the Christianity that God designed for us. Which was, Paul said, this is the mystery hidden from the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, Christ in you, the re revelation, the understanding, the consciousness, the continual consciousness of Christ in you is your expectation of not only possessing as a vessel, but reflecting the very glory of God. Come on, it gets to be an exciting life. So he said, now, when you get that revelation, when you understand that, when I understand that, now we get to have a choice when we go out to either shine as a bright light reflecting the glory of God or being intimidated by people and putting a bushel over that uh, glory of God. But he said, I want you to just shine with the light of life that is in you. And he says, you should have an expectation of people coming to you and saying there's something in your life that I'm trying to figure out. It's just shining forth from your life, from my life. And where does that come from? It comes from a greater revelation. Not allowing ourselves to just get steeped in uh, religion. Well, I'm saved. I know about the cross. Easter's coming. No, but to dive in, ask the Holy Spirit for uh, uh, wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the cross, in the knowledge of him. And all of a sudden, the access to everything we need to fulfill the will of God is there. Peter says that, that everything that we have need of that pertains to life and godliness is ours through the knowledge of him. And so he wants us to know but then he wants to reveal to us. So he wants us to get into the word of God, right? Your Bible shouldn't be, in this day especially, your Bible shouldn't be collecting dust on the nightstand. 
a specific time to get into the Word. Why? Because He wants to open up and reveal things to you from the Word. Why does he want to do that? Because in that revelation, now there's a seeing and there's a knowing. In that revelation, there becomes a stirring that the word that then becomes life to me. It's not something that I pick up, that I look, that I should do. It's something that jumps off the page that says, this is who I am. This is an action that proceeds from the life that I now live by faith in the Son of God. I no longer live like I used to live, but I live a new kind of life. And so this revelation that will come concerning the blood, one of the most precious things in all of the world, the precious blood of Jesus, the most valuable thing that has ever been poured out as a price to pay was the precious blood of Jesus. Yet again, as Hebrews says, we have to be careful that we don't treat it as common. And so many times as Christians, we know about the blood, and we get lazy, and we just treat it as a common thing. Oh, I know that. But there's such revelation in the life of the blood. There's such revelation that you could never just say, I get it. Oh, yeah, I know about the blood. That gets to be prideful. Oh, I know about the blood. I've heard about it. Can't we hear about something else? Everything, everything in our Christian life has to do with the blood. And your life being purchased from the slavery of sin into the hand of God. He said, watch, it's a fearful thing. It's an awesome thing to fall into the hands of a mighty God. It's an awesome thing. He refers, if you're you're in sin, it's really a fearful thing. But it's an awesome thing to know I've been made righteous. I've been delivered from the power of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7, it says, But into the second part, the high priest, he's speaking of sacrifices, went alone once a year, not without blood. Somebody say, not without blood. Which he offered for himself and for people's sins committed in ignorance. Now jump over to verse 11. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. One time for every single person, having obtained eternal redemption. Eternal redemption. So we want to talk for a few minutes this morning about the blood of of redemption. The blood of redemption. The word redeemed means this. It means to purchase or to buy back or to ransom. And so the blood of Jesus was the price for your life. The blood of Jesus, right? And so it took the blood of Jesus to to ransom your life, to pay for your life. Your good works could not pay for it. You being good enough, you doing uh, as much right as you could do was not enough to pay for your sin. Jesus said the way, or God said at creation, he set a law in motion. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So in other words, he said when man sinned, 
that it would create death. And so at the beginning, when man chose his own way, we talked about this a little bit last week, you know, when he decided uh, of self-will, he decided, I will decide better. I think my choice is better than God's choice. Well, in that, whenever you do that, you make a mistake. And so sin is the mistakes that are made by self-will or self-choosing over God's will for our life. And so we began to see that spiral out of control. And in that, when he gave place, the enemy took control because he knows uh, how to draw you away. He knows when you're set on self will, self-desire, that he will always come and begin to tempt you and then guide you and control you because all he has to do is put out there an alternate to God's will to draw you there. And so James says this, James says, when you're, when, when, uh, you're tempted by evil, don't say that God tempted you. For God is not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil, but each one is tempted when they're drawn away by their own desire and enticed. And when they give place to their own desire over the desire that God's put in them, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And so there's a process there. And because of that process, many times we're ignorant to to what sin is doing and how sin is developing or separating us unto the death of something that God has planned for us. Because all of a sudden it's, well, this is just my desire. This is what I want. I don't see why God doesn't want what I want. And so we keep moving and all of a sudden it's been conceived and it's working to bring destruction or death, or separation from the very plan that God had for our life. Amen. And so the blood of Jesus came and really cleansed our conscience from that. But really, we've been redeemed. The Bible says if you understand redemption, then you're not your own anymore. But we belong to him. We sing a song like that. We belong to him. We just sang that song. He's our everything. But is he our everything? Or is he just something? And so to determine if he's our everything or he's our something. Turn over to Romans, the third chapter. Romans, the third chapter. We're going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal. Right prior to this, he said, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet, through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us, all because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Come on now. I want you to highlight that, underline that liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Jesus' God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. You can put that down to take away sins. Take them away. Take them away. So often we, we, we imagine in our mind we're forgiven, but yet we keep coming back to those same old things. But he took them away. And now he is our mercy seat 
because of his death on the cross. We come to him for mercy, for God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice, because until now, he had been so patient, holding back his justice out of his tolerance for us. So he covered over the sins of those who lived prior to Jesus' sacrifice. And when the season of tolerance came to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and his mercy, to offer up his own son. So now, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares us righteous in his eyes. Praise the Lord. And so right here, we understand that redemption, redemption leads us to righteousness. In other words, God purchased our life with his own precious blood, having a purpose for that purchase. And sometimes we just think, well, okay, I'm just forgiven. But God purchased your life so that he could transform your life. You were bound under sin. He knew that. You were born under the sin of Adam. You were uh, brought into that place since Adam was the federal head of all humanity. Everything would reproduce after its kind. And so when he left the state of righteousness and fellowship with God and he sinned and became apart from God, then all of his offspring came under that same state of being that he was in. Everyone was born into that sin after Adam. We all became sons and daughters of the disobedience. Amen. And so we were bound to that by sin. But then Jesus came. And Jesus came and purchased our life out of that slavery of sin. And he made us righteous. Now, I know this seems basic, but if we knew that and we understood that, we would yield to that in a greater measure. And so righteousness threefold means right relationship with God. In other words, he restored us to a right relationship. We're going to look at this in just a moment, right? That right relationship. So we're thinking, whew, I have a relationship with God. We said this last week. Most Christians think I have a relationship with God. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to spend every eternity with God. But in their consciousness, God is still in heaven. And Jesus is still in heaven, and everything is apart from them. And either, either the Holy Spirit, Jesus, is in church, or he's in their prayer closet, or he's in heaven somewhere, but he's apart from them. But when he said, I reconciled you to right relationship, that right relationship meant I'm coming, and I'm going to live inside of you. And I'm not going to be far off somewhere. I'm going to live on the inside of you. And if you're not conscious of that every day, you're not conscious of the power of the blood and the redemption and the reconciliation that took place, then you'll think God's off somewhere else doing something else, and it'll escape you the very power that's in the blood. But if we ever have a consciousness that he paid for my life, and when he paid for my life, he moved in. And now he owns my life, and my my life, my body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? And so he redeemed my life. So here's a, here's a really weird analogy story of it uh, because it just doesn't measure up. <clears throat> but uh, some years ago, God blessed me with a, a 1978 Ford pickup. And uh, I love that pickup. And so it was something on my bucket list. It was just something. God's so good. You know, you just get something in your heart. And so, you know, when I was in high school, I graduated from high school in 1978. And one of my friends who, uh, uh, his parents were, were pretty wealthy, uh, they bought him uh, a brand new Ford pickup. 
Uh, and so whenever we go out, we go out in his pickup. I thought, man, he has this pickup. This pickup is so nice. One day I'm going to have a pickup like this. And so, you know, I never lost that. I, I always wanted a pickup like that. And so uh, I've had a, you know, somebody blessed me with uh, uh, an earlier Model 1, and, and uh, it's a whole other story I can't go into. But I really love that. It, you know, it, was, it had about four different colors on it, and, and I was looking to restore it. <clears throat> and uh, uh, I loved it. Uh, but we started using it around the property here and, you know, found out, you know, when you think of something, even talking about redemption, the value of something to you isn't always the value to somebody else. And so, you know, we brought it on the property we were remodeling. And the people who helped remodel and stuff, I won't mention any names, Jerry and Jerry. Um, <laughs> they, they were my workers around here. And one day I come and, you know, uh, the, the pickup, you know, it had some issues. I, I, I'm not denying that. But I came and there were paintball splatters all over the pickup. They used it for target practice. I said, now, what is going on here? I love this pickup. And they looked at me and rolled my eyes like, this is a piece of junk. And I'm like, but I, I have plans for this pickup. Well, you know, that pickup, uh, we used it until it ran out and just we used it as a plow truck. But God blessed me with another pickup. So this is a different story. But uh, sorry, guys, I didn't mean to get into it. Just drifted that direction. Uh, <laughs> But it'll speak to you because God puts a value on you that sometimes people are just, you feel like people are just using you for target practice. But God values you. So anyway, I was blessed with this 1978 high boy uh, Ford pickup. And, uh, you know, it was all rusty. It was a, a light blue, had this trim. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a real amateur restorer. But, you know, I got it, and I began to, to pay for it. I wanted to restore it uh, more to normal, back to what it was. And so when I had it painted, I couldn't find the exact color, but I got a, a near color blue. And so I, I just told them, I said, I want the exact striping. They said, well, we don't have this. We're going to have to paint that on. It's going to cost you extra. I said, it doesn't matter. I want it restored. I want the same striping put on that. And so, you know, I got it going, and then, you know, it had rust on the floor, and, and, and they cleaned off the rust. They repainted it. I, I got the rust out of the floor. I put carpet in it. I pulled the seat out, and I reupholstered the seat. You know, I'm just doing this all by myself, getting a new dash in it. I'm just restoring it to normal. Why? Because I paid for it. I, this is my restoration. This is like God redeeming us. He buys us. It doesn't matter what the world does. He's, he's ready to restore. So, you know, I, I'm restoring it, uh, getting it. I'm thinking I'm going to get it back to normal. And then I, I, I'm going through some things. And again, now Jerry's, he sees the value of it. So he says, you know, you should do something with that truck, not just re restore it to normal. You know, it had an old oil bath air cleaner on it. So I pulled that out because that was really messy. Started doing some stuff. He says, man, you should just, uh, uh, you know, one of the mechanics in the church, uh, he'll do this for you. And so I had him put headers on it and straight pipes on it. So now I'm not restoring it. We're making it better. And so, you know, I get it going. I'm feeling pretty good about it. There's always something more to do. And so one day, my daughter, Caitlin, she has to get some stuff uh, from her, her grandma that her grandma's given her. And so we're driving down the interstate. She's driving that truck. I'm driving behind her. And I'm just listening. I got the windows open. I don't care if it's warm out. I got the windows open because I'm just listening to those headers in that straight pipe. <laughs> She's just riding down the highway, and all of a sudden, white smoke pops out those, the exhaust on behind her, and it starts slowing down. She pulls over. Engine's all, all down. 
Well, you know, as most people think about redemption, boy, I made a mistake. God's just going to throw me on the junk heap. Well, you know, I just looked at that and said, we got to tow her home. She's down, but we're bringing her back. Well, I didn't have any money to bring her back at the time, but, you know, God's just nice. So a number of you right here just were, we blessed me one Christmas, put a brand new engine in it. Praise the Lord. So we got it back to working and then put big tires on it. It's just sitting there looking real pretty. Well, listen, it's just wonderful to restore. Redemption is about purchasing and restoring. God restoring. But he's not just bringing us back to normal. He's bringing us back to even better. And there's just something about it. You know, it's just sitting down there. You wouldn't even know right now it's just sitting down there. But I'm telling you what, I could go down there this morning. And the moment I get inside that truck and turn that key, that baby's ready to run. Come on. Right now, it's just sitting down there. Fixed it up looking good. So many Christians, Jesus redeemed their life. He repaired that which was broken. He brought it back to better than normal. But sometimes they're just sitting around because they don't realize Christ in them. But the moment you realize, the moment that truck realizes, you know, all that, all that restoring, all that paint job, all that new engine, all that tire, you know what? That truck didn't pay one dime. Things were paid for it to be restored. The precious blood of Jesus was paid for you to have a new paint job, to have new, new healing and restoration, all of that in the righteousness of God. But the one main thing that we understand about the blood is that he owns us and he came to live on the inside of us. And just like if I go get in that truck and turn that key on, life, it comes to life. As soon as I get into it, as soon as somebody gets into it, it comes to life. And boy, you push the gas. Come on, it's got power in it to run, but without me in it, that power isn't any good. And so God's put stuff on the inside of you, but when he's on the inside of you and he turns the key, he's ready to run. When you realize every day Christ is in me, when you wake up in the morning, come on, we're ready to go. Why? Because I've been redeemed. I've been restored. I got brand new tires. I got a brand new heart. I got a brand new engine. God's restored me and given me a newness of life. Thank God. Redemption. He purchased to restore you and make you right with God. Praise the Lord. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. So redemption means that restoration. So I have to get to this part. Sorry, Cheryl, we're missing everything else. We just jumped to this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. We just read redemption. He takes your sin Away. Somebody say away. away. Come on, he takes it away. And as the Passion said, he takes with it the guilt and the shame and the power of it. The revelation of the blood will set us free. Because there's a mindset, I'm just going to continue to sin. But how shall we sin if it's been taken away? Well, I'm human. 
You're not just merely human. You are now a vessel, a vehicle of the Holy Spirit of God who came to live in you. And before he came to live in you, God, by the purest cleaning agent ever known in the history of creation, the spotless blood of Jesus, he said, the moment you accept that, I will come and wash you and cleanse you of all sin. I will take it away. I will remove it from you. And when I remove it from you, I'll cast it as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more. Because you'll step across into eternal life. And in eternal life, my view of you is the same as it's always been. Not tainted by sin, but righteous and holy just as I am holy. And we have the revelation of redemption. We also have the revelation of sanctification. And we have the revelation of holiness. Because we recognize that we have been forgiven. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. Paul praying here says, Giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin. Come on, the blood brings us into a forgiveness of sin. So to realize we're cleansed. So I want to take this one step further, then we're going to take communion this morning. Why are we going to take communion this morning? Because of what we talked about last week. To ever take communion, the Bible says, whenever you take communion, you remember, you are conscious of his death until he comes again. You're conscious of the blood that was shed. But we're talking about forgiveness. And Jesus talked about forgiveness to the woman, John chapter 8, who was caught in the act of adultery. And he set her free, and she didn't go sin anymore. She followed him. See, the revelation of the forgiveness of sin and the removal of the guilt and the shame doesn't allow you to just go sin again. The consciousness of it says, since I'm free from it, why would I do it anymore? And that's why we want a deeper revelation because the understanding is, yes, I've forgiven, but tomorrow I'm just going to do it again. But if I have a revelation, no, I'm not going to do it again because it's been taken away from me. I don't have a part in it. Not because I could do anything, but because he cleansed me. And if I have a consciousness that I'm cleansed, I don't remember that I'm not cleansed. But see, we have more of a consciousness of all of our mistakes than we do of the righteousness of God. And so the blood is to cleanse our conscience of that. But many times we're held in our sin because we don't understand forgiveness to the full, therefore we don't forgive. And I'm saying this right now before we take communion. I'm sorry I ran out of time. That early thing. But I believe this is important. This might be for one person to launch into healing and strengthen your body. So Jesus said this in John chapter 20, verse 21. He come back to the disciples. He prayed for them. He breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
see another instance in creation when God breathed into Adam. He received the life of God. Jesus breathed into them. Many theologians believe they were born again. He made this statement. He said, now, whoever sins you forgive, they will be forgiven or they'll be released. Now, I'm going to bring this down to personal. Thank God you'll release that person. But I believe there's a deeper meaning. I've, I've studied a little bit. Don't have time to go into it. People have different ideas of it. But the biggest thing is they say, well, no, he couldn't have meant forgive sins because only God has the power to forgive sin. But we know we do have the power to release somebody. But more importantly, when we see that Jesus said to the man that was lowered down through the roof, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And they got all upset. Who is he to forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. And he forgave him. And then he, he just told the guy, get up and walk. And he said, now, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or rise, take up your bed and walk? In other words, a connection of sin binding the man and being released from sin caused something to happen in his whole body that caused health and healing to come and restoration to come. So I just want to take a moment and focus inward instead of outward. And many times people are in trouble in their body, in their soul, in their mind. Because he says, who sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. In other words, they'll be taken away. If you forgive somebody, it'll be taken away from you. Right? You sinned against me, I forgive you, I'm rele- I release you, but in releasing you, I release me. When God released you from your sin, he also released himself from the wrath towards you. See, sin had a, an effect on us, but it also had an effect on God and the relationship. So when he forgives us and releases us, he releases himself from that need to just, justify or perform justice, so Jesus did all that. And so when we believe that's been done for us, we can release somebody. But he said this, whose sins you retain, they will be retained. In other words, if I keep the sin against me, and I don't forgive somebody, I retain it. I retain it. So Jesus said, If you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. Why? Because you're retaining that sin against you. That sin, what you're conscious of, you'll experience. So if I'm conscious of the sin against me. So we're living in a culture that is keeping reminding you who's hurt you, what's hurt you, what's broken you. They even have a term church hurt, so you can be hurt by the church and retain it. But if you retain it, you possess it, you'll experience it. And it will begin to whittle away at your health and your mind and in all situations of your life. And you think, well, no, wait a minute. I've forgiven them. Mentally you may have, but you could recall it in a second. He said, let it go. Take it away. Well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. Then you're retaining it somewhere in your thinking. Now listen, retaining in your thinking is important because when he, re- he, he addressed the church at Rome, he said, listen, they knew God, but they refused to retain God in their thinking. So retaining God in their thinking would cause them to walk and experience God, but they left him out of the thinking. If you retain sin in your thinking, it's retained. It's working. You're experiencing that over and over and over again, but not just experiencing the replay 
Your physical body is experiencing stuff that's coming from that. And so the knowledge and the revelation of the forgiveness that's in the blood and the consciousness of the blood and how it forgave you, then he says, if you are forgiven by the power of the blood, then that same power of forgiveness now becomes what? Your nature... Because Christ dwells in you, you're not your own. Your nature's not your own. You've developed the nature of Christ. And the nature of Christ is to forgive and set free. Not to retain. And it's subtle. It's subtle. I'm just telling you, it's subtle. But somebody, Today, the light's going to go on. You're going to get with God, and you're going to let it go. And your body, from that moment, is going to start to heal until you're 100% whole. God's speaking to you right now, and you're going, oh, no, 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 no. And it's going on right now. I've forgiven them. But you know you haven't. If you'll reconcile that from that moment, I'm looking for your testimony. I know it. I was praying. I got off track. The reason I needed to get to this, I'm sorry we're late. Somebody, God's trying to tell you, you've been retaining it. You've been saying you've forgiven, but you're retaining it. You're replaying it. You talk about it. And then you say, but I've forgiven. And your body's struggling. But if you'll release it by the power of God, well, I can't do that. No, you can't except for the blood and the grace of God. And when you allow the blood and the grace of God to wash you, and you're like, that's what freedom feels like, then you're going to go, I can't hold anymore. I've got to let it go because that's what freedom feels like. Hallelujah. So you have the communion elements. As we talk about the blood, it's so important to understand that Jesus poured out his whole life that we could have life. As we partake of this, we understand today, I'm sorry, I thought you, my message would bring you even a greater understanding to say, I got it, but we've been redeemed by this precious blood. Our life's been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. He's come to transform our life into his very image. Not just so we look good, we go to church. I can park my truck out there and people say, what a nice looking truck. And it could have no heart in it, it could have no engine, it could still look the same on the outside. But he said, I redeemed you, not only to make everything look right, but I came to live in you. Be the very source of your being, that in me you would live and move and have your being. Without the blood, without blood it's not possible. But by the blood, He's come to live in us. His body was broken to give us access to Him and healing. His blood was shed that we might acknowledge the blood of redemption and covenant. So when Paul talked to the Corinthian church, he said, I will deliver to you that which was delivered to me that on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread And he broke it. 
And he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. And when you take this, you have to understand, this is representative of Christ's body being broken for me. His sacrifice so that I could be free. My sin would be taken away. His body broken that I might have access to the Father. Let's partake of the bread. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this this is the new covenant in my blood. This blood of redemption causes us to have a covenant with him that says that everything that he has belongs to me and everything I have belongs to him. My life is now enveloped in his. That I am his and he is mine. That he lives in me. He's not a part, but he lives in me. He said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth or you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. In partaking of communion, we begin to put into our consciousness and our remembrance that we are the redeemed of the Lord. And the 107th Psalm said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so every day to understand our body and our our mind, our, our bodies, our being has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Now he owns me. He possesses my life. And what better person to live in you than Christ? He paid the price to be able to do that. He put the value on your life of the Son of God that we would become sons of God. He paid with his life to give us the value of our life. The value of the Son of God was paid that we might obtain the value of sons of God. Let's partake. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you for communion, reconciliation, right relationship with you. Thank you for forgiving all of our sin, all of our iniquity, washing us clean. God, that we would experience it to such a degree that we would never hold anything against anyone again we would never retain a sin against us in our thoughts, in our emotions, or in our body. Though it's happened, we know that. But we become more conscious of the blood. For you've set us free from that. We thank you, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, to understand and to experience the power of the cleansing of the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus Jesus. far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.